Hey, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. We were in chapter 5 last week, and we want to uh, continue there. And uh, thank you. Chapter 5. We, uh, last week, when we started in chapter 5, that we saw the calling out of the disciples. Jesus went out on Peter's ship, and he spoke from that ship to the multitude that was there. And afterwards, they caught all the fish. It was an amazing event in Peter's life. It changed his life, what he saw there. And he makes a commitment to Christ, he and John and James. And they become the disciples of Christ in chapter 5. It's early in the ministry of Jesus. The book of Luke chapter 5 is. Now we read verses 12 to 26 right after that. And it came to pass when Jesus was in a certain city. Behold, a man full of leprosy. And leprosy, by the way, most of us know you would lose your, your fingers and and your face was deformed by it. It was a disease, and it's still alive today. It can be healed today with medication, but it was, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a disease that reminds us of the effect of sin, what sin does in our life. So look at it with me. He said, there's a certain man, behold, a man of leprosy, full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and sought him saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Okay, this man's been separated from his family, separated from his life. They had colonies that they lived in. Lord, make me clean. He's really not even asked him to restore what has been taken from him. He'd just like to be able to go back to his family. But notice that it put forth his hand and, and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. Jesus uh, does this miracle. And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priests and offer for my, thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. That's the good part, the last line. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of Jesus, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Now our text, and it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with a palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees, the guys that came a long way to hear him, began to reason, saying, Who is, who, saying, who is this which speaketh blasphemy? 
Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, Why, uh, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easy to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins, he said unto the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately, it says, he arose, he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen a strange thing today. They don't know exactly what they've seen, but we have seen something very unusual now the chapter begins, Jesus is speaking to uh, the, the, the crowd from the Sea of Tiberias, Sea of Galilee. He's in Peter's ship, that's where we begin at. Peter, James, and John become disciples of Jesus. Look at verse 11. And uh, it says, And when they had brought their ship to land, after they caught all the fish, they forsook all, and they followed him. You know, the Lord doesn't necessarily want all of us to forsake our job and become a full-time minister, but he wants us to be willing to do whatever he wants us to do. We need to be willing. That's the key, right? So that's verse 11. And Jesus touched the man here with the leprosy in verse 14. And when he healed him, he told him, go to the priest. He didn't say, he, he said, don't make a big could-do of this. He says, now go to the priest. I want them to see what I have done for you. He, Jesus wanted the, the priest to be, have a witness that he is the miracle-working Messiah so that those priests would get on board and become a believer in, in Jesus as their Messiah. So that's what he said in verse 14. And what happens? Verse 15, it says a summary verse. He said, and so much the more went there a fame abroad of Jesus, and great multitudes came to hear him. And it's just the ministry is growing at that point. But notice what Jesus does there. Verse 16, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. When God is doing a great work, we need to pray more. I mean, it looked like it could be a time when Jesus could say, oh, things are going so great, let's just keep building it, keep going big, going big guns at it. But Jesus, it makes a clear statement here that Jesus, seeing the multitudes following him, he withdrew himself. He went away from the crowd, and he went to the wilderness, and there he prayed. How much do we need to pray? How much do we need to pray? Our life, we need to learn that prayer is a vital part of, of our life, we need to pray more, not pray less. And so then, in verse 17, he goes back to teaching. In verse 17, and the people are coming to hear him. They're coming from everywhere. They want to see what he's doing. He's healing the sick. And, and the place where he's doing it is Capernaum. There the, there's two synagogues. Uh, there's, there's two sites in Capernaum where there were synagogues. And uh, Capernaum is also the place where Peter lived. He lived there. I saw the place where he, he lived. They've got it under uh, a, a big protection where the weather can't hit it. 
and they got the place where his mother-in-law's house, where Peter lived there. And so the place of Capernaum, and that's where Jesus headquartered his ministry at the time, and he did a lot of miracles at Capernaum. And it's, he did so many miracles that Matthew chapter 11 records that he did so many things there that there should not be anyone there that did not believe. And the people, many of them, still, still rejected him. You know, I think sometimes, I know I am, and maybe all of us are guilty. We'd like for God to do bigger things in front of lost people where they would believe. We'd like to see God do things, show himself, so that the, but look at Capernaum where he did all the miracles, yet they did not believe. People can make an excuse. The reality, though, is this, that God wants to speak to us through faith, not through sight. He wants us to believe by faith, not by what we see. So Jesus did the miracles, yet people still did not follow him. But notice in the latter part of verse 17, the good part was that he said the power of the Lord was present. And we want that to be true in our services, don't we? We want the power of God to be present with us as it was there. But then we look at verse 18. I want to read this one for us. And he said, Behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before Jesus. So Jesus is teaching here in this building, probably one of the synagogues, and uh, there's a crowd there. It's a multitude of people there. They've come from everywhere, 40 miles away from Jerusalem. They came down. They didn't have taxi service, Uber. They had to walk or ride. And they come to hear him, people from everywhere. And Mark tells, I mean, Mark tells us also this story. And, and Mark says that there was four men. That's why I want to bring the Mark thought in. Here it just says men. Mark says there's four of them. And they brought this man with palsy. Now, what is palsy? Now, palsy is a weakness with tremors, and, uh, like a paralysis, like a partial uh, paralyzed, and, and a loss of his ability uh, to get around. And this, this man's got it bad because he's on a bed. He can't get up. They, had, they didn't bring him uh, on his own. They didn't walk him in. He's on his bed. And they brought this man... Uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what? They're unable to get in because the crowd is so big. They can't get, it, they can't get him in. No, no. before we go, we need to think about palsy. Palsy is a good example of an inability to walk that we all have before we get saved. We can't walk right before God. And when we get saved, it enables us to walk with God and to live for God and, and to walk with Jesus. No doctor can correct our problem, our spiritual problem. Only Jesus can. The only, the only thing we need is to get saved, and it, it will correct our ability to walk before God. Salvation is the solution. Well, it says here that, verse 19, And when they couldn't find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the mist before Jesus. I wish we had that problem, don't you? I wish we had so many people here that the foyer was full of people and all the doors were blocked. 
because of people, and that's what they had. They had that problem. I'd love to see someone take a, a, a chainsaw and cut a hole uh, big enough to let a guy down because they had to. Don't do it just because you want to. What do you think about these guys? They're eager to get this man here. They are motivated to get him here. And this is what the whole story in verse 17 uh, there's actually two themes in the passage that we're reading, and this is one of them. These men, their eagerness, their eagerness, their desire to get this man to Jesus. And the other is that Jesus had the power to say your sins are forgiven. So, here we are. The persistence of the men. Where are we at on that? It, let's put ourselves in that crowd. Are, are we these persistent four men that's trying to get somebody to Jesus? Or are we some of the other folks there? I mean, there's a lot of people there. there. There's common people there. There's just everyday people there. There's doctors there. There's scribes there. There's Pharisees there. All kinds. Of, where are we in, in all that group of people? Where do we find ourselves? Are we just attending but look at the, the corporate effort of these four men. They worked together. First of all, they thought about it. Many of us, when we go to church on Sunday, we're not thinking about lost people or, or getting them here. I had one man come through church today, and man, he said, man, where's all the people I invited, and, and they told me they's coming today. They're not here. I hope somebody came because he invited you. But most of us, when we go to church... What are we thinking about? And the truth is, many of us have a big fight on Sunday before church, don't we? I don't raise your hand who does that. But many couples have a, a good old drop-down fight because somebody's not ready and maybe somebody's out honking the, the horn. But they thought about this man. They, they could have come on their own and they would have been fine standing outside and listening to Jesus. But no, they took the time to think about this man, and then they went to where he was. They knew about him, and then they went to where he was, and they, they, they have a bus ministry back in those days, but they had no bus. They brought him in his bed. Hey, listen, there's another lesson here. When you come to Jesus, come as you are. Don't try to straighten up or clean up or, or get fixed before you come. You come as you are. A lot of people have the ideal of coming to Jesus. They get religion first. Don't get religion first because religion will mess you up. You need a relationship with Christ, not religion. So they, they thought about him. They went to where he was. And then they accepted him like he was. They took him just like he was. They didn't look at him and say, you know, there's nothing he could add to our church. I mean, he can't do anything. Let's just go, let's go get somebody else. They went to him where he was. And, and, you know, I thank God. And, you know, Roger Briley, I have a lot of respect for Roger. He got saved here two weeks ago. I have a lot of respect for him. He's a, he's a carpenter. He's been a good carpenter. And he's had a stroke in the last year. And he's been recovering. Been coming to church with us for about five uh, to six weeks. He came to the altar two Sundays ago and told Dale, he said, I have come here and I want that. 
He hadn't been to church enough really to know what that is, except they all told him it's Jesus. He came back last Sunday where we're going to baptize him, and he had a stroke. He's in the hospital today. Thank God somebody cared about him and brought him, uh, and, his, and Jackie came with him, brought him. As he, hey, I don't know what he will ever give to the church uh, work. Doesn't matter, does it? What's important, he came to Jesus. And we need to go out looking for people, not what they can add, but what they need. We're not to be self-centered like that. So they, they thought about him. And I want to encourage you to think, is there anyone you could bring? Is there anyone you could get to? We need to be thinking about people that are unsaved, people that are unchurched. We need to think about them. Then we need to pray about them. So they thought about him. They went to where he was. They accepted him like he was. They brought him and all this stuff. They went, you know, if I would have been then there picking up that old bed, you know, that bed was, was probably full, full of bed bugs. I mean, this man was incapable of taking care of himself, right? I, I think about the, the, the man that was 37 years at the Pool of Siloam. And, and every time, and, and it was just a made-up story. I, I, that's my belief. Never was there an angel that came there and, and, and stirred the water. I think it, the whole thing was just fabricated. I come to that conclusion when I was looking at the pool over in, over in Israel this last January. But that story was it, the angel would sometimes come and stir the water and the first one there would get healed. And that's just some... But people came there. Multitudes of people. And this guy had been there 37 years. And, and, and they asked him, said, hey, what's going on? He said, well, I'm here to be healed. But every time, every time I see the stirring of the water, somebody beats me to the place. Isn't that the way the devil makes things up? Gives you a false hope? He had a false hope. Jesus took care of that problem, didn't he? Yeah, he, he, he told him, rise up and walk. And he walked again. Well, this man, Jesus, did the same thing too. He's in that old bed, that old, that old bed full of bed bugs probably, just like he was. They brought him. They put him before Jesus. But when they got there, they couldn't get him in, could they? They couldn't get him in. So what did they do? Well, let's just, let's just, don't, let's, let's just go home. Did they? Of course, you know they didn't. They could have. Must not be God's will that he gets in today. You know, maybe he's not one of the, uh, one of the elect. God hadn't chosen to, to, to heal this guy or to, or to save this guy. They didn't use those religious excuses. And I guarantee you there's some people sitting in the door that were making up those stories. They couldn't get him in. They they decided to get up on top of the roof. And when I was over there, I, I remember looking at all those clay uh, top roofs like they have down in the southern parts of, of, of the country. Uh, they, they removed those tiles. I'm glad it wasn't uh, shingles, amen, or metal roof. Uh, left a, they could put them back when it was all over with. They removed the tiles, and a bunch of them, because they kind of let him down on a bed. 
and they let this man in. They went the extra mile. They went up on top of the roof, and, 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 and they, they let him down on ropes. They worked together. What, what does it say to us? Half of, the, half of the story here is about these four men. The other half is about the authority of Jesus to forgive sin. We don't have the authority to forgive sin, but we have the power within us to go find people that are without Christ. We're to think about them. We're to go to where they are. We're not to get sidetracked by the, their appearance or, or their problems, and we're to take them up, and we're to bring them to the Lord, and these men are the examples. This is the lesson for you and I from the text, that we're to be thinking about people, praying about people, going to people, and then we need to enable them to get there, even if we have to go get them. I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again today. Every one of us ought to buy us a 15-passenger van and fill it up with the children of Bullinger County and bring them to Jesus. So they can hear the gospel. Well, they did whatever it took, didn't they? But let me ask you something. Have you ever heard this? You know, people want to come to church. If people want to come to church, they know what the church is. Anybody ever heard that one? If people want to come to church, they know what the church is. That's an antichrist statement. That's an antichrist statement. There's a lot of reasons why people don't go to church. One of them is because of that attitude. They haven't been shown that anybody there cares. People need to know we care. Before we let people know we care, we need to care. The reality is if we don't care, they're already understanding that. So the question is, do you care? Is it just the preacher's job to care? Is it just a few people that really are supposed... Is it three or four people that are supposed to care and the rest of us can come and sit? Listen, we need to get off this Christian thing that we're saved and soaked and soured. And we need to care. There's people that you know that I don't know. I'll never get to know until you bring them. These men thought about him. They went to where he was. They did not let what he looked like or what he was like hinder them. They gathered up his bed. They brought his stuff with him. And when they got there, they couldn't get him in. And they didn't take him home. They said, we're going to make a way for this man to get to Jesus. So they had to remove the roof. They let him down on cords before Jesus. And Jesus gave them the affirmation that they did the right thing. You know, we've been through a time in church, if, you, if you're aware of what's being talked about and argued on the Internet, we have, we have been told that people have done uh, too much. We get the idea, at least, that some people try to do too much to get people to Christ. Well, if they are the elect, they'll get saved. That is hogwash out of hell. Hogwash out of hell. They thought about him, they went to him, they ran into problems, they did the extra stuff, and they brought him to Jesus. Jesus affirmed them. 
He acknowledged their faith, and Jesus said, I'm going to save him because of y'all's faith. Look at it. Verse 20. Back 19, and when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went unto the housetop and let him down through the tilings with his couch in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven. It was based on what they did. Now, there's, there's a group of people here. There's a response here that we need to think about. Jesus, he acknowledges their faith, verse 20, and when he saw their faith, then he said, Man, thy sins be forgiven thee. There's a response to this. Let me tell you something. If everything is at, at peace, in your life and at peace in church, there's something wrong. When there's not a problem going on, the problem is the devil ain't mad. And we need to do our best to make him mad. And let me tell you something, the devil can't do anything to you that God doesn't allow him to do, so he can't attack you, but I'm going to tell you something. If you go like these men go and bring somebody into Jesus this man messed up a peaceful assembly. These four men did it. They brought this guy in. And you know there was every kind of response. There was all kinds of response there. What, what in the world is he doing here with his bed? Why did he bring that old bed? See, I've been in church too long. I know what people do. There's people there. There's probably somebody there trying to sing a special or something and said, hey, this is messing up my song. <laughs> and there's people out there arguing. This brought it to light that Jesus forgives sins. Only God can forgive sins. And here's the problem. They did not acknowledge Jesus as God. That's the problem, right? And they're angry over it. Verse 20, 21, and the scribes, it says, and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God? You know what I want to say, boys? You missed the point. He is God. You missed the point. You know, remember when Peter... Uh, come out of that uh, water, out of that ship, and he had all that multitude of fish here in the first part of the chapter. And, and he, he comes in there. He said, man, oh, Lord, get out of here. I'm a man of sinfulness. I'm a sinful man. He, he told Jesus to leave. Jesus said, there's no need for me to leave. I'll just clean you up. <laughs> Isn't that good? Let me tell you something, folks. I don't care if you've uh, been saved or never been saved. You just bring your sin before Jesus. He don't have to depart from you. He'll just clean you up. But by the way, when the last time you had a clean up? You've got to have one about every day. And sometimes, uh, every now and then, you've got to have, have a big one. Amen? Amen? You know, sin was a real problem for God. 
Sin was a big problem with God. And people don't understand that. It's a big problem for God because He is holy. God is holy, so He cannot let sin enter into His presence. Do you realize that's why you can't go to heaven? Hell was not made for you, but because of Satan entering into Eve and her taking and Adam with her, taking the fruit and disobeying God and destining all of us to be born sinners and to die sinners if we're not saved, because of that problem, hell has been enlarged. It's been expanded to receive all they that reject the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, the, 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 the ideal is here, sin is a real problem to God. He can't let sin into his presence. And some of you are already saying, if you're thinking with me, you're saying, well, there's no hope for me to ever go to heaven. Well, there's no hope for you to ever go to heaven on your own. There's no hope for you to get to heaven by any religious activity. And baptizing won't get you right to go to heaven. And you can get baptized every day of the week for all month long and it won't get you ready to go to heaven. And it won't do anything else for you either. Sin was a problem for God. And the only solution, some one had to pay a sin debt. Sin had to be paid for. Consequences of sin had to be laid in the responsibility of someone. So holy God, a trinity, a triune God, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit, before the foundation of the world, knew that they were going to do this all along, and we don't understand all that, but the fact is they... The, or they assigned the second person, the Word, to come. Jesus came, was born in Mary's womb. He's conceived in her womb and born of a virgin. And this baby that was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago was a sinless baby because there was no seed of man involved. He is the Son of God. It's a miracle. Sin was a problem for God, so he sent his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Sin was a problem to God and God decided to fix it before the foundations of the world. And Jesus came and sin was a problem to God because the Son of God died a brutal death on a cross at Calvary. He died on a cross. The worst way to die there could ever be to die. He died alone, separated from God and man, the go-between. Sin was a problem to God, so God's solution is that sin has to be paid for. And so God, the Son of God, God in the flesh, had to die on a cross for sin, and He died, which is a miracle. He died. He laid in that grave. Friday night's in that grave. Saturday night in that grave. Sunday morning, death couldn't hold him any longer, and he arose from the dead. He walked out of that grave cave. 
and he went and ascended up into heaven, the, the mediator of our sin. Sin was a problem to God, so God had a solution. The solution was the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he died on the cross, and here it is. You are a sinner separated from God, and the only way, the only way for you to go to heaven, your sin has to be forgiven. And the only way for your sin to be forgiven is to place your faith in the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, as your Savior. These men, these scribes and the Pharisees, they reasoned among themselves and said, Who is this which speaketh blasphemy? It was not blasphemy, because it was God speaking. And they said, Who can forgive sins but God? You know what they're just saying here? They're saying they're lost. These men were lost. Now I want you to see, as we get ready to close this thing out today, I want you to see there's that building there. There's a multitude of people there. And standing in the doorway are the doctors and the Pharisees. And and there they are. They are not helping anybody come to Jesus. They're standing in the way of that man coming to Jesus. But those disciples, those four disciples, found a way over that problem. And they come through the roof. But I want you to see those people that were standing in the way were not even saved people. They were lost. They hadn't figured out that God the Son can forgive sins. And they were causing a separation from anybody else becoming a Christian. Now Jesus in verse 22 to 24 he addresses the heart of their problem. If we continue in verse 22, he said, But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easy to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk. He said, But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins, he said unto the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up that couch, and go to thine house. Jesus not only wanted to save that man that was rescued and brought before him, he wanted those scribes and those Pharisees and those doctors of the law to be saved, and he made it clear. He made it clear in these verses. What he is saying, if you read into the verses, what you have to, you understand is that the only one that has the power to forgive sin and make you ready to meet God is the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Preacher, I want to go to heaven, so I'm going to try to be good. Preacher, I want to go to heaven, so I'm going to get baptized. Preacher, I'm going to go to heaven, so I'm going to become a religious person. No. All that does is make you three times the devil that you was before. There has to be a time. There has to be a place that you give your heart to Jesus and trust him that he forgives your sin and he becomes your Savior. Now, these men... 
led this one man. They brought this one man, and he got saved. And, and, and you look at verse 25. He got saved. Look at verse 25. And immediately he rose up before them and took up what he laid on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Now, when this man got saved, he got saved. He just didn't believe. He got saved and he stood up and he walked. When you get saved, you have to put your faith in him and, and receive him. Receive the truth. You have to act on the truth. Get up and walk. Well, what about <clears throat> if this man said, well, you know, <clears throat> I don't want to get up. He never would have got saved. He never would have got saved if he wouldn't have got up. He had to act on, by faith on what Jesus told him. Folks, I want you to make sure that you've acted on the Word of God. Jesus can forgive sins, and He will forgive sins, but you have to receive that truth, and you have to rise up and walk. Now, <clears throat> this man got saved, but those people debating and arguing outside, we see no evidence that they ever got saved. Does it mean that they didn't? Maybe one of them is Nicodemus or Joseph of Arimathea, and later on they got saved. We don't know. But arguing and debating the Scripture will not make you prepared to go to heaven. If you don't understand it, argue it and debate it. But make sure you get to the point where you make a commitment to believe and to receive. When old Peter and John... Come in off of that ship, verse 11, to land. They forsook all, and they followed him. Folks, if you want to be a Christian, you've got to rise up and walk. You've got to leave it all behind and take up the cross and follow Jesus. You have to believe to the point of salvation. You're here today. You've got religion but you don't have assurance you're going to heaven, I invite you to come during this invitation right here at this altar. You'll find Jesus as your Savior. But you have to rise and you have to come. Sit in your seat, go away lost. Hear the truth, respond to it, you'll get saved. That's the message to anybody unsaved today. But then I want to close the message with this part of the invitation. Who are you in that crowd? Are you one of the doctors? Are you one of the lawyers? Are you one of the Pharisees? Or are you just somebody else standing in the way of this man getting to Jesus? Or are you one of those that's trying to get somebody to the Lord? Now, now make sure you understand if you're trying to do anything to help out in the church, you're helping us. Say, preacher, I don't do much. All I do is drive a bus. All I do is, is uh, I kind of make sure things go, go well. I take up the offering. You've got to be doing something to help us, to get that man 
that lost man to Jesus, that lost woman to Jesus, that lost boy, that lost girl, you've got to do something to help us get them to Jesus. That's what a Christian should do. Now, the message of, of the text is this, that Jesus forgives sins. But the message of the, sex, the, the, the text is this also. Are you one of these four men? Or are you somebody else? Who are you? What are you doing? You know, what you do won't get you saved or won't get you to hell, but what you do is a, re is a reflection of who you are and what you are. And if we do nothing, we have to wonder who we are, what we are. So as we bow our heads, quietly stand our feet, I want to invite you as a Christian to come and get in on what these men were doing to try to get somebody to Jesus. There was a glorious response after this man got saved. They were all amazed and they glorified God and they were filled with fear because of what they see. But I want to invite you to come today and to get involved. I'm inviting you to come today if you're not saved to come and find your sins to be forgiven by Jesus. Our heads are bowed and I want to, I want to ask you this. How many would say here today, preacher, if I were to die today, I'd go to heaven because my faith is in Jesus. I've trusted I know I'm on my way to heaven. Would you lift your hand up as a testimony? I know I'm saved. I know I'd go to heaven. If I died today, a lot of us around the room, raise your hand. You may put your hand down. Some of us could not raise our hand today. And we want to change your eternal destiny. And God has given us the opportunity to make that difference in your life today. If you will come, you believe Jesus died on the cross for sins, but there's never been a time that you personally have received him as your Lord and Savior. Won't you step out right now and come to this altar? Won't you come? If you've never been saved, we, we want you to come. We want you to be saved. Maybe you're, you're religious. Maybe you've been to church or you go to church. Or maybe you have your name on a church roll somewhere. That doesn't make you a Christian. There's got to be a time. There's got to be a time where God speaks to your heart. God speaks to your heart and you say yes to Jesus. Salvation is exclusively through Jesus. There's no other way. Neither is there salvation in any other. There's no other way. Jesus is the only way. Would you give your heart to Christ today and come? Now, what about us Christians? Are we a doctor? Are we a Pharisee? Are we just attending? What about involving? Say, hey, I want to get involved. I want to be a part. I want to win. I want to help with the effort of getting people to Jesus. Won't you come right now? You just come up here and take the preacher by the hand and then go away. Say, preacher, I want to get involved. Just come, if you would. Preacher, I want to get involved. I want to do it. Won't you come right now? We need help.
Every now and then you just need to let it be known. people that feel the same way, but 